everybody. Got another good one in store today. Um, this one is going to be a more serious topic, in my opinion. And I feel like what we're getting ready to discuss, it, it needs to be talked about. Because from my perspective, I feel like things are getting out of hand. And that topic is gun control, gun laws, and whether or not, you know, we should have stricter gun laws or if we should start banning uh, the ability to purchase certain types of guns and things of that nature. And I got a good friend on the mic with me today from New York. She's calling in. Uh, she lives in New York. We actually went to school together. And when we were in college, um, she was in the service. And I noticed, you know, she was coming back in, had her fatigues and stuff on. And that's when I realized that she was a sharpshooter. So she's a she's a real badass. And I want to welcome to the podcast, Miss Rachel. How are you hey, today? Hey, thanks for having me. No problem at all. How's it going? It's going, man. It's going. One day at a time. That's all we can do. One day at a time. How's that weather up there, man? That's the question. You know what? I woke up yesterday with a significant amount of snow. It was still snowing this morning. Um, and then next week, it's supposed to be 72. So, you know what? It snowed last year on Mother's Day up here. So, this weather does whatever the hell it wants. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so, see, I can't get with that. Like I said, we, we, we had some nice weather down here. Then we woke up to about half an inch of snow. But, see, y'all getting that, that heavy stuff. See, I, ever since I moved up here, my motto's been, if it's less than four inches of snow, I don't bother shoveling. And I'm not joking. Oh, so y'all used to it then, huh? I, I've gotten real used to it real quick. <laughs> <laughs> so, so real quick, I know that you are into guns, correct? Yeah, grew up with them. You grew up with them. So just a little backstory on you being familiar with guns growing up. You know, how does, first of all, you know what, backtrack. What are okay. your original thoughts about gun laws and what's going on here in, in the United States? So, me personally, I think we have to have some gun laws changed. Um, I think we have to have background checks. I think we need to have mental health checks and a waiting period before you can purchase a gun. Um, and as much as it almost pains me to say it, we need to ban assault rifles. Because nobody can, you can't honestly tell me that you need one. And I'm saying that as a person who owns one. I don't need it. There's no reason to have it. Um, you know, the, the background checks and the mental health checks, when you look at these mass shootings, 80% of these people have had prior mental health issues. So why is that not being talked about? Right. You, you can't sit there and say, oh, you can't take my guns, but then ignore the fact that these people have prior mental health issues and say, but, oh, but we don't want mental health checks. We don't want background checks. No, I, that won't make sense. I, I definitely agree there. And that's that's one of those touchy topics, especially in, in today's times where it's like as soon as you start talking about gun laws or gun control, people just lose their minds. Like, why are they coming after our guns? Why are they trying to take our guns away? And it's like when you see the events that's taking place all over this country, 
in the back of my mind, I'm like, why would you be opposed to, you know, them saying, hey, we want to put a band on assault rifles. You shouldn't be able to just go in and, and purchase this and not have a background check or, you know, there's ha there has to be some kind of process to where you can monitor and filter where these weapons are going to. But it's like just the idea of that is just like people, right. people just get all in a bunch. You know, every time I hear somebody or see something like on Facebook, it says, oh, they're trying to take our guns. The only thing that pops into my mind is an episode of South Park where they're like, they're trying to take our jobs. <laughs> you sound that stupid. Nobody <laughs> is trying to take your guns. You have the Second Amendment. That is not going anywhere. Anybody who knows the basics of laws and the Supreme Court knows that the Second Amendment is not going anywhere. You are entitled as an American to own weapons. That does not mean you are entitled by any way to own an assault weapon. Nobody's trying to take your Mossberg 22. Nobody's trying to take your 30 6 Nobody's trying to take your 22 rifle. Nobody's trying to take that Glock or that Smith & Wesson that's in your pants. Nobody's trying to take that. <laughs> They're trying to sit here and say, you do not need a replica AK-47 or an AR-15. You're not in the military. You can't even go semi-automatic because there's they're made different for a reason. It's it's stupid. So see, you don't need it. You're not you. If one person tells me I'm going hunting with my AR-15, I'll hit them. Because <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> so see, that's the thing because like you're you're educating me at this point because I'm I'm going to be honest. I've never held a gun, never fired one. You know what? Take that lie back. A buddy of mine in Lexington, he's um, started to make, you know, it a hobby to collect guns and, you know, go out and fire them or whatever. And one time I was at his house and I think he had an AR. I don't even know what kind or what. He was just like, here, hold it. And I'm like, first of all, this is heavy as hell. And I'm like, what? Like, I don't see the fun in just having a house full of guns. And it's like, like you just alluded to, like, you're not going to go hunting with it. You're not going to walk around with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, unless it's just for a hobby or a sport and you're just into that kind of thing, I get it. But at the same time, it's like, what is, what is the point? And real quick, before we dive deeply into that, go back to, you know, you said that you started at an early age being around guns or, you know, being shown how to how to use them. So talk about that a little bit. So um, I grew up in Oldham County right outside of Louisville. And uh, my dad was a LaGrange City cop. So obviously we had weapons in the house. He had his service weapon um, and several other toys because he was a gun enthusiast. Um, but he kept uh, a gun locker in his closet. So when he came home, his service weapon went in that gun locker. That gun locker closed. But then about like six or seven years old, he taught me how to fire a pistol. I did not like it. That thing scared the crap out of me <laughs> at six or seven years old. Because it did. I mean, it's a recoil. It's loud. I was like, mm -mm, I'm good. <laughs> um, but then, you know, Kentucky uh, Fish and Wildlife, they offer that conservation camp when you're in elementary school. And um, so I went like all three summers and they teach you hunter safety and all this stuff, archery, swimming, boating. And that's when I fell in love with shooting because you get to learn to shoot this little 22 rifle. That's when I got comfortable with it. That's when I fell in love with it. 
because um, you learn the hunter safety, you learn how to handle the weapon um, w- within limited means, of course. So um, I actually went back when I was in college, I actually went back and taught that one summer. And um, then obviously, you know, I went to the range more uh, with my dad and I learned for me, it was shooting was kind of therapy. Uh, I remember one time my dad told me that I had to break up with somebody and uh, the next day we went to the range and um, may may or may not have taken a full box of ammo and a pistol out to the range and emptied the entire thing, but I felt better afterwards. <laughs> um, and then, you know, when I joined the Army, I, I got to shoot bigger guns, and that was more fun, and I still enjoy it, but it's it all comes down for me for education because, and my dad taught me that, is that I was aware that the weapon was there. I was taught what it was i was taught to respect it and then later on i was taught the mechanics of it i was taught you don't point anything you're not not going to shoot you never put your finger on the trigger unless you're actually going to pull the trigger you learn how to load it how to disarm it everything you learn to respect the weapon and what it can do and you treat every single weapon as if it's loaded whether it is or not because you never really know even if you're getting one out of the case at a gun shop it points to the floor you don't point it at anybody more than likely, obviously, it's not loaded, but you treat every gun as if it is. And you know what? So, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. no. That was that was honestly like that. That's perfect because my dad, I think he had a, a nine millimeter. I'm not even sure, but those. That's one of those things where it's like I I might have seen it out twice, but even then, it's like I wasn't curious enough to go touch it or put my hands on it because I've always had that fear. And it's like living here in Louisville, I see at least once or twice a year, if not more, where a child shot him or herself because a gun was just laying around in the house. Right. And it pisses me off extremely bad because it's like, why in the hell would you just have guns laying around when you know children are in the house? Well, and see, here's part of the problem, too. And my dad used to tell a story during his concealed carry classes is that even when you take the clip out, the sir, um, there was this cop. Every day he came home, he took his service weapon, he took the clip out and took the bullet out of the chamber and set it on the dresser, thinking that was enough. Well, his three-year-old watched him do this every single day. So one day, the three-year-old popped the clip back in, pushed it back, loaded gun, shot himself. Because all it takes is watching how you do it, because it's repetitive. So just because you take it apart doesn't mean they can't put it back together. Right. And that, like, honestly, like, the, the thought has crossed my mind several times, especially with what's going on here in the city. It's like, do I want to bring one in the house? to make sure that I'm able to protect me and my family if anything were to ever happen. But then the more I sit down and think about it, I'm like, you know what? My oldest is, is nine. She just turned nine last month. And then my twins will be seven. And I'm like, I don't even want to create that environment where they might get curious or they might, you know, of course, most people that I know have a gun safe or they have somewhere where it requires some kind of lock or combination to even get to it. But it's just the whole idea of 
what if they figure it out or what if, you know, I'm, I'm like, I, I don't even want that on my conscience. And then you said something earlier where you was like, don't point it unless you're going to use it. Exactly. And in the back of my mind, I don't care how much Call of Duty I play. It's like, I can't even mentally fix myself to think that I would shoot at somebody or anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've watched yeah. too, too many YouTube videos <laughs> of people getting tossed back on their ass, excuse my language, just trying to shoot a rifle or a shotgun. Somebody damn near takes their shoulder out because you don't know how to hold it properly. I was going to say, yeah, they're holding it wrong. Yeah. And it's like, why even go through that? And I'm yeah. saying to myself, I'm like, even if I was in a situation where it's like, I have to react or whatever, I don't even know if I could. So... I was just like, I have no desire. And that's kind of where my, you know, not necessarily to what we're talking about, but in general, that's where my respectfully disagree comes in at, because I feel like people have this attachment to guns and I don't understand it. And it's like, like we said earlier, like as soon as somebody alludes to, you know, more strict laws to kind of tighten up who's able to go in and get them people just get pissed off. And I'm like, I I respectfully disagree with that stance because, you know, you said it yourself, you're in the service. So not only did you have a background of learning how to shoot, learning how to respect the weapon, but you also joined the service. And like you said, now you've moved up to bigger weapons. And even then they still train you, show you how to, how to use in this and that. So you're more, of a professional when it comes to using a weapon versus just some random average Joe walking into the store because he watched Rambo and now he wants to go buy whatever. So I was just like, dude, like it, it doesn't make sense to me. Right. And, and somebody being comfortable, that's, that's always the most important thing. It was like, I was telling my oldest one, she's 17 and she's going to graduate this year. And she's going to go into the Air Force. So, you know, we wanted her to get comfortable with um, with the weapon. So we didn't bring our weapons to New York because the laws were just too complicated. We were like, screw that. I left it with my mom in Kentucky. But when we were in Virginia, we were showing it to her so she would be familiar with it. We, she didn't shoot it, but we were just wanting her to get familiar with it. Um, but I've always told her, I said, if you are not comfortable with it, then don't own one. Because if you're not comfortable, like you said... You can't imagine yourself using it. There's no point. Um, I can't see myself having an entire armory because personally that's ridiculous. Now, the people that do, you know what? More power to you. That's awesome. But why? <laughs> when a middle of the rain, you know, middle of the road handgun is going to run you six, seven hundred dollars. That's the way you want to spend your money. That's the, do you, boo boo. But I'm I'm good. <laughs> right. And, the, and, and, that, and that's where I'm like. I do know some people where they're like, you know what? That's just my hobby. It's an expensive hobby. And like you said earlier, it's like, you know, it's kind of a stress relief and they just, you know, load up whatever they want to load up, go out to the range and have at it. But then on the other hand, real quick, I didn't know until earlier that so far in 2021, it's been almost 150 quote unquote mass shootings. And what they define mass shootings is 
four or more people that have been shot, wounded, or killed. And I'm like, has this become such a norm to where it's like, oh, it's just all right, it's another day, another person, whatever. And I'm like, I'm not okay with that. Like, that doesn't sit well with me. And then the the situation in Indiana the other week or last week with, um, I believe his name was what, Brandon, Brandon Hole or somebody, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Once I read the article, it said where his mother had his shotgun confiscated and the police were aware of it. And the mother told them that she wanted this shotgun taken away because of possible mental issues or whatever. And not not long after that, this guy goes and buys two, you know what I'm saying, rifles and goes into FedEx and murders eight people. And he's 19 and he bought the guns legally. Mm-hmm. Adrian, the first time I bought my first gun, I had I had just come home. And I was 21. I bought my first gun in 15 minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not even joking. Now, it was it was a little bitty pistol. It was a little Taurus. It was pretty and, you know, whatever. It was a little 22. Everybody joked me, like, you not going to do anything with that. And, like, I hit them in the right spot. It does better. But that's not the point. 15 minutes. That's all it took. I said, I want that one. Okay. So all so all that required. And, and you know what? Honestly, like, it wasn't until maybe a, a year or two ago that I realized or was informed that I thought in order to buy a gun, you had to take a class first. I thought in order to have a weapon, you had to have a gun's license and this and that. I didn't even know what the car- open carry and concealed and all that well, actually so meant. Concealed carry, it requir- requires a class. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I didn't, I didn't know the differences. I mm-hmm. thought it was all the same. And okay. that, that's when my buddy was like, nah, man, you can, you can go buy whatever you want to. Now, if you want to, have it out and carry it and this and that, then you'd have to get the license. Uh-huh. And I'm like, what in the world? So with that 15 minute process, you know what? We need your driver's license. They run some kind of what quick check or how did that even work? I don't really think they did a background check to be completely honest. I think it was just, I, you know, I wrote my social on a piece of paper, I think, and I signed a paper and they were like, Hey, go pick out an accessory. It's on us. Like I said, just cause they knew me. And that was, that was really it. Um, but I'll tell you though, cause I, I inherited my AR-15, uh, after my dad died and mm, the amount of guns that ammo this man had was insane, but we unloaded almost all of it and we sold them and we sold them personally. And there were, I'll be honest with you that no background checks were done. We just sold them to get rid of them. Now we sold them to people we know. Right. Um, obviously for certain reasons. And some of them we sold to like uh, dicks and stuff like places like that, that buy guns back. But it's very, very easy just to go here. Here's a gun because there's no requirements on registration either. See, that's just, that's just crazy because it's like, you see the videos, you see all the advancements in weapons Mm -hmm. and all the things that you can add to it and attachments and that's why I was just like, you know, I joke around with it a lot. You know, people are like, man, we blame video games, the violence in video games and this and that. And I was like, man, get the hell out of here. But then the more and more I think about it, I'm like, I love Call of Duty. Like, I, 
I will sit down and play Call of Duty faithfully for hours. And you sit there and you get to looking at all these different type of guns and the attachments and you can put this kind of drum on it and that kind of drum. And it's like people actually go out and then try to build that shit there. And I'm like, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, what is the point of that? Like I, and I don't even know if it's real and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Like I saw somebody with a handgun with a, it had a hundred round drum on it. And I'm like, how the hell do you even put that on a handgun? So you can do it. It's, it's stupid and you look stupid with it, but you know what? If that's your cup of tea, go ahead. You, you wasted, go ahead. Just whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. You do you. It's just, we're all going to laugh at you, but yep, go ahead. We're all going to laugh at you. <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. And I'm just like, what is, what is the point? And what is the solution? Because quite naturally, it's a cash cow. So you're not going to throw a monkey wrench into something that you know is a lucrative business. But at the same time, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, well, I I was just, I was thinking, because I saw something that was on TikTok the other day, and they were talking about how when you talk about Congress and you talk about um, like when they're going after tobacco, they never want to go after big tobacco. They want to go after just like these little cigarette companies and stuff. So, and it's the same thing with guns because it's a lucrative business because it's built on fear. Your customers buy guns, they buy ammo. Think about when COVID first started and ammo was scarce because everybody was hoarding it because, oh my gosh, we're not going to be able to find ammo anymore. That was fear-based. It's the same thing with guns. You are never going to see a change in gun reform because gun gun reform and Congress laws, it's it's not going to do anything. I'll be completely honest. It's not going to do anything until somebody finds the balls to go after the NRA and the gun companies, the manufacturers, period. You're not going to see guns come off the streets until you start going after the people that are putting the guns on the street. Exactly. You're you're not. Exactly. The thing is, yeah, these companies are still, you know, people like uh, Olympic Arms, they're still going to make these AR-15s because people are still buying them. They're still going to make accessories for these things because people are still buying them. And the whole, oh, you can have it when you pry it out of my cold, dead hands. Those people are the ones that are spending the money. And as long as the NRA is there and the NRA is paying people in Congress, until you take money out of politics, none of this crap changes. At all. Period. I, I, don't, I don't care what law you change. I don't care what you do. None of that changes until you stop that cash flow. And, it's and- all about money. It's definitely all about money. And not only that, I, you know, I'm not going to be closed minded enough to feel like, oh, Congress and the government can just put an end to it. Because at the end of the day, you're still going to have your, your black market sales. People are going to yeah. figure out how to get them, because at the end yeah. of the day, it's a shitload of people that have guns that did not walk into a store to get them. Right. So it's one of those situations where I know you you can't fully monitor the situation but at the same time you know like you alluded to go back to the manufacturers and it's like there's no way that you should be able to mass produce and put out a weapon that in my opinion should only be in the hands of somebody that's in the service and just throw it out to the general public like there's no way i'll be completely honest 
that weapon's a piece of crap. Ask anybody in the service. It's a piece of crap. <laughs> I mean, it really, it is. So why you want it, I have no idea. It's just, it's, it's crazy. So real quick, like I heard you talk about the uh, going to play with bigger guns once you join the service. And a lot of that, I remember some of those conversations where you was like, I can correct me if I'm wrong. You was like, I can hit a penny from, from this distance and that distance. And I'm like, I, there's no way that I'm going to piss her off at all. I did, it, I did it one time. One time I was at Knob Creek gun range and I think there the range itself goes all the way back. I think it's 300 yards. And we put a bowling pin all the way back there at the back. And I did it on iron sights, which means I had no scope. It was just uh, my dad's AR-15. And then we had a buddy of ours. He had he had a scope so he could see where I was hitting. And what he was trying to do was teach me the trajectory pattern of a bullet. Because a bullet actually doesn't really go straight whenever you shoot it. It um starts high and then goes low and it's kind of like a wave when it moves uh-huh. so that's what he was trying to teach me and so basically what i did was i hit the top of that bowling pin from 300 yards oh wow oh so, wow yeah yeah i did that on call of duty <laughs> it counts it counts it definitely okay. counts <laughs> So that's what I'm saying. I'm glad I learned how to do that, though, because whenever you go into the service, whenever you go through basic training, you go to the range and you have to try to hit stuff at 300 yards. And then I actually knew how to. So that's dope. That was kind of fun. That's dope. And it, and it goes back to the education that you spoke of earlier. Like if more people were knowledgeable about what they were purchasing, you actually know how to use it. Then maybe I might change my perspective on it, but then you're still going to have those people who just want to be a badass, go in and buy a bunch of shit that they don't know anything about. Uh-huh. And as soon as they get pissed off, excuse my language again, as soon as they get mad, you just run in your room and grab this big old whatever and just go out on a rampage. And that's where I was just like, when is enough going to be enough? Like, that should not be the norm to where kids have to go to school and simulate what to do if there's an active shooter on site. Like that in its own self is is traumatizing. Like, why are we even having to show this to our kids? Like that to me is just crazy. It, it is insane. And it never really hit me. Like I knew they were doing those drills at school. But it never really dawned on me. And then I took the girls um, last year after Xavier deployed. There's a place about an hour and a half away that's like this whole walk through the woods and you can see the mountains and everything. And I took them out there and we're walking on these trails and people are out hunting. Um, and so, you know, you could hear the, the gunshot. And I hear a few and I'm, I'm used to hearing that. I can recognize it. And my youngest one turns around and she goes, Mommy, what's that? I said, I said oh, I said, that's a gun. She freaked out. And I was like, holy crap, because she's been taught in school when you hear a gunshot, how to react. And I realized she had never heard it before. Right. And she's eight years old. Right. It's- and that about broke my heart because it was something I was used to, something I knew the sound of, something I was comfortable with. I knew we were safe. She didn't. 
Right. And that's why I mean it's 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 a it's a tricky slope because uh-huh. I don't know what part of Kentucky you grew up in, but for me, I grew up in a little small town, little county, you know, everybody had guns. You know, my grandfather had rifles and stuff and we had a bunch of farmland and you can go out and shoot or do whatever you want to do. I just never had the desire to do any of it. So then you move to the city and that's a whole different type of whole different type of gun violence in its own self, because now you're talking about close proximities, people firing at each other, just straight violence. And true story, this was year before last, because last year COVID hit or whatever. My wife is going to pick our kids up from school like she always does. And on this particular day, she was running a few minutes late. And she was one of the last ones, you know, she was the last at the end of the line for car pickup or whatever. So right next to our kids' school, there's a stoplight and it runs towards Broadway or whatever. And they're at the stoplight and a car comes by. And there's a guy hanging out the window shooting at somebody walking down the sidewalk and they're shooting towards the same direction where my family is at. Holy crap. And by the grace of God, they stopped shooting right when they got to that intersection where the stoplight was. And she said that she had to throw the car in reverse. You know, she's screaming, tell the kids to get down and try to go backwards. But if they would have kept shooting, then he probably would have hit her windshield. You know what I'm saying? Like picture it in your mind. She's at the the stoplight and the other car is coming across through her, through her vision. But this guy's hanging out the car shooting backwards. So if they would have kept shooting, then they would have been aiming in the direction of where my family was sitting at. And she called me, I'm talking about panicking, freaking out. And I was livid, like terrified. And for the longest, my son was like, all he talked about was, oh my God, guns, that's a gun. And every time he heard anything similar to that sound, he would freak out. But like I said, that was a few years ago. So now, you know, they don't talk about it or bring it up. So I'm hoping and praying that they don't forgot about it. But it's just like, that to me, that should not be a norm. Like I should not just be somewhere at a stoplight, stop sign, and people just come by shooting. Mm-hmm. And even with that, it's like I didn't go to social media, I didn't talk about it, didn't post about it, because all it took was for somebody that was actually a part of that on, you know what I'm saying, being on social media and see it. And the next thing you know, oh, you're a rat or they looking for me for even talking about it. And hell, I kind of feel uncomfortable talking about it now, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, that was some years ago. And I'm just saying to myself, like that should never be the case where your kids are impacted by gun violence. No. And it's just, it's, it's wild to me. And that's why I was just like, I'll, <laughs> I'm going to throw my respectfully disagree out there again, because I'm like, I just, I don't feel the need. I don't feel the, what is the point? And I, I think when you start, start talking about, like, you know, speaking of gun violence and 
part of the reason I think I'm such an advocate for the mental health checks is because of my dad. Um, cause he was, he was in the military. He was, um, state police, Kentucky state police trooper for a while. And then, you know, he was a cop. Um, and, but mentally there towards the end, he was not all there and really should not have been owning a firearm. Um, because he actually ended up shooting himself. So, and that's how he passed. And that was, that was pretty traumatic for me. Cause I was actually on the phone with my sister when he did it. And she was standing there. So, oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm totally fine talking about it. Cause it's, it's almost like kind of therapeutic for me. Um, so as somebody who is, I guess, kind of a victim of gun violence, I'm still an advocate for guns, but responsible gun ownership. Now, personally, I still have that gun, but I will never get rid of it because I don't want anybody to ever shoot it. Period. Oh, it's going to wow. box, and that's exactly where it's going to be. So see, um, I, I didn't know the, the, the details of that, and I, I hate to hear oh, that. It's It was about six years ago. Um, and it was, it was really messed up because Xavier had just deployed. It was, he deployed on a Saturday night and literally 24 hours later is when it happened. Oh, wow. And here I am. I ended up driving up to Kentucky on a Tuesday, like that Tuesday. All of a sudden, okay, let me figure out, let me get the, the dogs in the kennel. Let me drive up to Kentucky. And I was there the whole week and then came back to Georgia and had to act like nothing happened. And the only one that knows is, is Jada. HR doesn't know. So she doesn't oh, wow. know how, how great right. that. Right, right, yeah. And that's, that's just something where it's like, you know, kids are not ready for that. No. In my opinion. Again, that's my opinion. Some people talk to their kids about situations like that, but that's one of those where it's like I haven't even scratched the surface because, you know, unfortunately, I lost my mom last year as well. Uh-huh. And... I didn't allow them to to go to the services or anything like that because I just feel like they're not old enough to understand. Right. So I I, I definitely get it. And again, I I hate that y'all had to experience that. Like that's that's got to be tough. It was different. I, I don't really know how to how to put it. Um, but I'm but I'm kind of the same way. Like like Jada knows what happened. We we talked about it, and um. You know, sometimes I have my moments and she'll catch me and she'll come and hug me and she's like, it's okay. I'm like, I know it's okay. I'm, you know, I'm good. I'm just, you know, I have my moments, but I have pictures that I keep on my laptop of certain things that she's, she has never asked me to see them and I probably will never show them to her, but I keep those for me, you know, and right. um, like I said, I keep, I keep the gun and, but that's part of the reason I am such a strong advocate for mental health checks when it comes to these weapons. Because right. he should not have been allowed to own a weapon at that point in his life. So real quick, real quick, just to kind of touch on that just a little bit. It's like, what possible solutions could they even come up with to try to filter some of that out? Because it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you never know. And it could just be in a situation where just a regular person get along with everybody just for whatever reason on this particular day, somebody pushed the wrong buttons. Right. And I mean, that's, it's a, it's a touchy subject because it's the same thing when you do background checks, you know, 
are you punishing somebody who's already done their time? Are you punishing them a second time? Um, and they're, you know, quote unquote reformed. And are you discriminating against somebody who has mental health issues? So how do you go about checking that? I mean, do you, are they required to sit down with a psychiatrist? Do you have them fill out a piece of paper? Are they lying on the piece of paper? I mean, I don't really know if there is a good way for it. Exactly. Like you said, you can definitely lie. How do you judge that? (laughs) Right. You can definitely lie about it. And and that's the thing. It's like, it, it's not a, a easy solution. It's not a, a quick uh-huh. fix, but you would think over the course of time. And again, this is just, it's just my opinion. It's like, when you look at the history of this country, you're talking about a period where originally you had the low gunpowder, you know what I'm saying? Like you had a single fire rifle uh-huh. and you had to load it after every shot. So when these, gun laws and second amendments and all this and that was written you're you're talking about a time period where okay here's a shot fired off it's going to take me two or three minutes before i can even fire off another one but you fast forward now and it's just like you got people who just have you got a hundred round clip right and you can just let it let it go and that's why i'm like that's why i feel like you have to go back and adjust some of those laws that have been written because weapons are not the same from when they were first created. I think it's definitely worth going back and revisiting and modernizing for sure. And, um, damn, I had a thought. Now I can't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn, that's good. <laughs> but it's like, you know, you got it. You got it. Nope, not yet. All right, so so while we're while we're touching on this, it's like even with the the mental health checks, and you talked about you know reformed and stuff like that, and that that goes along with people who have done time, you know, like as soon as they get out of prison, it's like okay, you're not allowed to have this, you can't be in the company of that, and it's like. Who's to say that every person that's been to prison is a threat? You know what I'm saying? And that's where I feel like there's a double standard when it comes to weapons, because it's like any average Joe can go out and buy whatever he or she wants. And then that later turns into somebody who might go out and commit one of these mass shootings that we spoke of earlier. But the world looks at somebody who's been to prison as, oh, my God, they're they're a threat to society. Right. I, I found my thought, but it actually it ties into this. So my point is that you, you know, you, we say that we can't do mental health checks on these guys, but look how many of these mass shooters had prior red flags. Like you were talking about the guy in Indiana where his mom wanted the shotgun taken away. Why wasn't there a red flag put up on that? I think there were a couple other ones, like even a Sandy Hook shooter. There was a red flag, the, uh, the dude in Colorado, same thing. There were a couple red flags there and everybody ignored it. Why are they being ignored? Why aren't they being looked into? And while we're at it, when you're talking about policing reform, why don't we add something to that? Instead of instead of this stuff just being blown off. Right. Why is it, you know, and we and we see the same thing in the military. You know, when you look at sexual assault, um, well, you you saw what happened at Fort Hood with Vanessa. Some of this stuff is reported 
and then it's blown off and then you wonder why nobody says anything it's it's crazy it really it is. is it really is and that's why it's just like you know it's just one of those things where it's just like why is this such a norm and who knows, it may be somebody right now listening to this that may be offended or, and I'm like, why? Like that whole, and I feel like politicians play to it. They they have that in their back pocket. Oh, he's trying to take our guns. So we're going to vote for the guy who who's not. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this attachment? Like who gives a shit? Again, I apologize for cussing, but it's like, that to me is just something where that's a no brainer. Like I shouldn't have to swing back and forth on whether or not I should change the law. If I'm a, if I'm a government elected official and it's like, Oh, if I change this and I know I'm going to piece some people off and they're not going to vote for me. So you don't even try to touch it. Mm -hmm. That's, that's just odd. It's crazy. I mean, when you when you look at, I'm not really like totally into politics. I don't really like staying on the side. I'm very much in the middle. I joke that um, I'm a don't take my guns, but don't tell me what to do with my body type of person. <laughs> um, but I mean, look at look at Trump's campaign, his first one. It yeah. was simply built on fear. They're going to come in and take your jobs. They're going to come in and take your guns. They're going to do this. They're going to let illegals in. It was all built on fear. Definitely, all of it. I definitely agree. And the people, and they, they said, oh, he tapped into people that hadn't been heard before. Not really. <laughs> right. Not, not really. They, they had been heard before, just everybody ignored them for a reason. <laughs> that's why I said that. Uh, they weren't being ignored. Right. That's a whole nother can of worms. And I was just like, like you oh, know. God, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know, it, I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I don't sit here and lean towards one direction versus the other. I try to be open-minded and hear people out. Everybody's not going to agree with me. And that's kind of the whole premise of the podcast anyway. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I oftentimes do play devil's advocate just to try to get people to think a little bit deeper, have that intellectual conversation, because I feel like it's important. Like nobody's asking you to change your perspective. But if you just take a little bit of time to understand somebody else's, it might help. And in this case, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I I completely agree. Sometimes you don't have to agree, but understanding it, it's worth least considering. (laughs) Right. So anyways, I definitely appreciate the conversation. And, you know, like we said, it's not a, a easy solution, but. I definitely appreciate you sharing your experiences, sharing your story. And like you said, for you to, you know, be an advocate for guns, but also feel like there there should be a background check, mental health check and things of that nature. At least that shows that you're open minded and you're you're willing to cater to both sides in a sense. Does that does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does, because I, I honestly believe any gun a gun owner that doesn't think that a background check is necessary is an irresponsible gun owner, personally. Right. Good conversation. Definitely appreciate yeah, it. awesome. And for anybody listening, I will repeat again, do not piss her off. <laughs> do not <laughs> piss her off. She gave you a little bit of a snippet 
back in the day when she was like her and her boyfriend broke up or y'all had some some issues or whatever happened and you was like I had to go out and, and let a few rounds off. I'm like, you know what? No. Don't I mean, make my husband's from Brooklyn. That's what it took to handle me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So good conversation. Definitely appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. No problem. Yeah. No competition.